This is Factual America. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. Our topic today is extraterrestrial life. Explosive new revelations from military whistleblowers of alien encounters, UFOs, and secret Pentagon programs, as well as headline-making stories in mainstream media outlets such as the New York Times, have breathed a fresh urgency into a topic that has long been relegated to the realm of conspiracy. Join us in this season-opening episode of Factual America as we talk with Encounter's acclaimed director, Jan Motzkin, about this cosmic detective story. What does he find? Stay tuned to find out. Jan Motzkin, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, Matthew. Yeah, it's uh, great to have you on. Uh, Just to remind our listeners and viewers, we're talking about the Netflix docuseries Encounters, which uh, releases or released, depending on when you're hearing this, on September 27th. 2023. So welcome again to Factual America. Congratulations on on the release of this uh, timely doc. That must be a great feeling to uh, to finally get this uh, all wrapped up and and out there to the public. Thanks very much. It's been a it's been a long road. It took us about you know two years to make it from beginning to end. So it's nice to finally see what people think because for so long it's just a handful of us working on it together and i'm very curious to hear what what the audience thinks well i think they'll well i can't judge audiences but i think they'll have a very uh very favorable uh in um reaction to this i mean but why don't we since most people will not have seen this yet um um what is encounters all about you can give us a, a synopsis So Encounters is a a documentary series. Uh, I like to call it a cosmic detective story. Uh, It's about the search for extraterrestrial life and non-human intelligence told through a very first-hand human perspective and also a scientific perspective. Uh, We focus on four stories, uh, and each of the four episodes tells one single story about a mass sighting somewhere around the world. And through that mass sighting, we explore a host of issues, uh, social, psychological, um, cultural, and we essentially embed with people that experience this otherworldly phenomenon and see what happened uh, and how their lives were affected by it, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just kind of a really fun series of stories, series of mysteries. I agree. I mean, you mentioned you, you you dig deep into foreign encounters now and across the globe, which I found very interesting because, uh, let's face it, uh, UFOs and alien encounters usually tend to be a, a uniquely American phenomenon, something like what or has been 90% of the sightings or something like that, number like that is they're U.S.-based. But how did you settle on these four? So it's interesting. I'm not a UFO person. I was never really interested in the subject. Um, I wasn't even really big into sci-fi. Um, and when I came to this story, I was surprised by what you just said, which is that most of the material, the writing, the reports, the documentaries, the films, they're all American-centric. They're all military-centric. They often have a conspiratorial or sensationalistic approach. 
Um, and as we, as me and my team did our research, we found that that's very much um, not the case. Um, that's mm. just the stories that are told. And that's very much yesterday's story and maybe today's story. And we were interested in telling tomorrow's story. And what is tomorrow's story? Well, if you ask a lot of sort of scientists and thinkers on the subject, they'll tell you that it's a global story, uh, that it's a diverse story, um, that it's not about, you know, little green or little gray men. Mm -hmm. um, it's about more complicated things like consciousness and communication mm. and humanity. And so I was very interested in doing something different and, and ultimately telling a human story. And so we researched to find the most interesting stories. Um, but we were also very interested in diversity, not from a political perspective, but men, women, color, right. geography, place, time, and also con kind of encounter and mm. consequence of experience. And so we found a great story in Texas from 2008. We mm. found a, an awesome story in Wales in 1977. Um, I learned pretty quickly that there's rarely, if ever, stories in Africa or Asia in the sort of UFO phenomenon mm. world. And so we found a, an incredible story in Japan. Um, and then, you know, a very iconic, um, incredible one in Zimbabwe, which many viewers who have seen this, you know, may, may have heard of the story before, but not in the way that we tell it. Yeah. And in t so you were looking for a diversity and we'll probably talk more about that. But what unifies these four? you think? What are, what are the interesting similarities? That's a good question. So when you watch the whole series, even though it's seemingly four separate stories, mm. um, the experiences are all you know, four different. When you watch the series and you watch the four different stories, they're seemingly different, different places, different times, different people. But when you watch the whole thing, you start to see the similarities, the echoes, and it's often the experiences are very similar. Um, for example, people often see the same thing, the way that they describe uh, what they saw, you know, for example, a uh, black triangle with certain kinds of lights or a certain pattern of lights. Um, many people talk about no sound. You know, that's mm. something that that was a detail that that was interesting. You know, there's just no sound at all from what they saw. Um, and maybe most importantly is the profound effect that these encounters had on the people, not just in the moment or in the day or that week, but often for years and their, their, their whole lives after that experience. Mm. And you, um, you know, it, no, indeed. And I think, uh, you, t you talk about, I mean, even in the, uh, it even says in the uh, the notes for the episode, it's uh, true stories of encounters of otherworldly phenomena. Um, and what do you think these otherworldly phenomena are? Um, do you believe well, an intelligent life exists on other planets? That's a loaded question. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I went into this project, I didn't really think about it, uh, mm. meaning I didn't think about whether or not I even believe. But if you asked me when we started this, I would say, no, I don't believe. Um, after doing this, I don't know. I can't tell you. I'm not qualified to say if um, it's real or not. Um, but I do know that I believe what these people believe. And that's right. 
what we set out to do. We set out to document people who are, we th- we believe were very credible, um, who had genuine experiences. And we didn't talk to a lot of people because we felt that they weren't credible. And so the people that mm. we chose to include were ones that were credible, either because, you know, they had a lot to lose. You know, we spoke to bank presidents. We spoke to high school math teachers. We spoke to um, principals of schools, um, successful business people, uh, police officers, you know, people with a lot to lose, people in the public, people who don't really have any incentive to talk. In fact, many of them have a disincentive because coming out in this way for them um, brings stigma, it brings shame, and for some of them it even brings trauma. They lose their jobs, they lose money. And so I can tell you that I believe that they believe. Now, if the, if whatever they say happened or not, I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you, but it's hard to discount what a lot of them are saying, you know, especially mm-hmm. because um, there's a lot of corroboration. You know, it's not mm-hmm. one person in their backyard seeing something. It's dozens and in many, many cases, mm-hmm. hundreds of people all seeing the same thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you that because that was, a, I don't know if it was an unfair question, but it was also a bit of a... Uh, a trick question in the sense that I had two follow-ups in mind. One meaning, and you know, I'll, I'll tell you where I'm going with this. If you had said yes, I would have said, well, you might have answered differently a few years ago, right? Because of the stigma. And if you say no, then I would have said, well, I probably wouldn't have asked you that question a few years ago because no rational, you would have presumed no rational person would say yes. And I think that's been a very interesting, uh, what I, you know, I have seen the uh, all four episodes, uh, that's so one of the great aspects of this this job of mine. I get to see it before it gets released. And I thought that was a very interesting part of the series about this sort of what and capturing what all these um, these people have had to go through, uh, as you say, without have you know, they have no no reason to any of them to whatever they're not, I thought the best one was the one of the ones was the kid from Wales who well now a man my age but who said you know what 10 year old goes looking for publicity you know so it's um, true it, it, and it becomes what became interesting to me and to us is this idea of belief and mm. you know but in many ways uh right. belief you know do they believe what they saw uh do we believe them why do we believe mm you know, the nature of truth, the nature of reality, it's sort of, it starts to get sort of philosophical and maybe a little bit woo-woo fairly quickly. But if you sort of boil it down to things that we can relate to, which is somebody says that they had an extraordinary experience, why don't we believe them? Uh, There's a, there's a one person, a a very intelligent person, there's a a professor of religion in the film who talks about religion. And she Mm -hmm. says, her name is Diana Pasulka, and she says something to the effect of, well, people that believe religion, or the people, people who are religious, um, mm-hmm. they don't necessarily have evidence. Um, yet they believe that unbelievable thing. Why is it that they believe that unbelievable thing, and yet with something like UFOs, where arguably we have a little bit of evidence, we don't believe this unbelievable thing. Mm-hmm. And so it, it becomes some kind of a measure of the kind of person you are. It becomes a question of where you came from, uh, the culture, um, maybe your values. Um, it becomes a question of who who we are as 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 a who am I? Who are we? As they say in the film. Hmm. Um, 
hold that thought, and uh, I'm going to give our listeners and viewers an early uh, early break. So um, we'll be right back with Jan Motzkin, the director of Encounters, a four-part docuseries that drops on Netflix on September 27th. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with Jan Motzkin, the acclaimed director of Encounters, uh, a four-part docuseries that uh, is releasing or released on September 27th on Netflix. Um, you were talking about, you know, some of these bigger, <laughs> almost philosophical questions that the, the docuseries raises, and um, it is a very interesting point about, you know, you, you, you've, and I think you said at the very beginning, um, or maybe it was even offline, you know, you spent a lot of time with these people, interviewing them, and these people that have had these encounters, uh, and sort of what strikes you, but it's it's like, uh, and you even have some of these experts, uh, acclaimed, uh, is he a psychiatrist, who, you know, whatever has or hasn't happened, it there's no signs in these people of psychosis or mental illness, and what they do show are Uh, or I'll let you say more about it, but they do show signs of having some sort of trauma or experience. Isn't, is that right? Very much so. I'm, I'm not um, a medical professional, so I'm not equipped to comment on, you know, that. So this is all coming from a filmmaker who spoke to them, but people took action, you know, people changed their lives. People, um, People went through some. The people that we spoke to clearly went through something. So, for example, we went to Zimbabwe, which mm. there were kids at a school in 1994, 62 kids that all said that they saw three spaceships land at 1030 in the morning at recess in their playground. Right. And uh, some beings came out. Uh, and 62 kids saw this. And they all described the same thing. And they all drew pictures. And all the pictures are remarkably similar. Um, that was in 1994, which is about 30 years ago. Right. And all we spoke to, you know, in the film, we feature maybe six or seven of them, but we ended up speaking to offline 25, 30 of them. Hmm. And they've all been impacted by this 30 years later. Some positively, some have changed their lives. You know, some have moved to different places, taken on professions that uh, is a direct result of what happened to them. Some their lives have been ruined because of this experience, but all of them carry this, not all, most of them that we know carry this thing to this day. Um, and the sa- same thing in Wales. And that story happened back in 19, 1977. Mm. I mean, that Zimbabwe examples, I think of all the episodes, what's very interesting about that is you have the adamant naysayer. If, not to, you know, spoiler alert, but you know, it's, uh, you have someone there, one of the six, well, or maybe he's the 63rd uh, ch- child, who's like, no, 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 I made this all up. I, you know, I instigated it, and all these people, I mean, it is, these different perceptions are just, how do you, how do you square that, you know? Um, so our job is, my job as a filmmaker is to sort of present it, and 
I think the most interesting way to do that is to present as much we, as we can in an interesting way and then let the audience decide. I'm not here to tell anybody what mm. is or is not happening or how these people do or do not feel, but we hope to present it in a super interesting, super intriguing, mysterious, dramatic way, um, and then let the audience decide. The example that you give is actually very interesting. So there's a man, he's, he's a man now, he was a boy at the time, his name yeah. is Dallin in Zimbabwe, and he was one of the kids, and he said that he made it all up. Uh, he said he made it up because he wanted to get out of a certain class, and he tried to create chaos, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And for the last 30 or so years, he says that everyone else has been lying. And it's funny because of the 50 plus people that I interviewed for the whole project, he was the one person that after we filmed with him, I said to myself and to my producer, I said, I don't believe him. And he was the one that was saying that aliens did not exist. Right, right, right. But that's not to say that I do or do not believe in aliens, but something about the way he was telling the story. And then we even, I didn't even want to include him in the film. And then mm. I had this, we, one of my editors, uh, a great editor named Greg O'Toole, yeah. said, oh, we have to include him. And because that sort of speaks to the central conflict of the story. Right. And I was worried because I thought that would pull focus of the story. I didn't mm. want this to be a story of did it or did it not happen? To me, you know, and, and what Amblin and Boardwalk and Vice, we were mm. interested in talking about things like belief and wonder and mm. awe, not debunking. We're not interested in debunking. Right. Other people, right. I think, can do that. Yeah. Um, and I was worried that including this person would do that. Uh, but we found that by including him, it actually made the people that said that something happened even stronger. Because if you believe them, then, you know, in the face of somebody calling BS on what they're saying, it, it means that their story and their experience is just that much stronger. And so I, I'm, I'm thankful to my editor for convincing us to include him. And, and by the way, I should say that 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 boy who said he made the whole thing up, um, he, he said, said outright to me, he said, listen, you may or may not believe me. And people out there, viewers may or may not believe me. You can include me or you can not include me in the story. But this is my truth and I'm sticking with it. Well, I think that's a very good point. And very, I mean, I had a similar impression as you, <laughs> I will say, personally, watching it. But, um, you know, exactly. I mean, he, at the same time, he didn't, I mean, what would he gain <laughs> as well from coming out and saying, you know, I, I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, but it was a, I, I don't think, I, I would agree with you, Edder, I don't, and, and now you've obviously feel the same way too i mean I, I i don't think it's taken away i think it certainly adds to it it's it was a very interesting dynamic to the to that and i think the other interesting story with that and then also the kids in wales is this whole adulthood childhood sort of dynamic and you know they these trained seemingly excellent teachers oh you know how kids can be they tell fibs all the time and stuff like that and you have these kind of dynamics at playing it at, as well but yet here we are 40 years later or 30 years well more like closer to 50 years later you get on oh, some cases you know you they're still sticking to their story that thing has Im impacted them their entire uh, entire lives and i think um 
another aspect, I mean, I'm, we're here, we're UK-based uh, podcasts, and I've lived here for a while, but just that archive you've got of the 70s of the UK, and then having these people, was that was just, that was incredible. It's incredible. My favorite part in the whale story and in the Zimbabwe story is, you know, on one hand, it's tough to make a film that's set in the past because you want to talk to the real people, but obviously people age. What's right. incredible about the whale story and the Zimbabwe story is the wealth of archive. Right. And we were able to get archive of the characters back then. And then fortunately, we talked to them today and we're able to cut them together. So you yeah. see, you know, for example, Dave Davies, one of the characters mm. in Wales, uh, who got bullied and this impacted his life. And we talked to him today and we see him as a grown man. And then we directly cut with him as a 10 or 11 year old boy talking about the same thing and we see that and we didn't show them any of the archives so they just we see wow. how they've changed how they've yeah. not changed i mean it becomes you know ufos just become like a rorschach test sort of on humanity right you can almost take sort of ufo out of the story and input right. anything else you know it becomes something bigger it becomes a story about you know media right how does the mm. media treat us or how are we treated by the media it becomes a story about pop culture right how are we influenced by what we see uh on tv and then we say oh i saw that silver thing well did you see that silver thing or did you just watch close encounters or right, arrival right, right. um you know it becomes a story about parenting right and like mm -hmm. what kind of parent are you do you believe your kid when they tell you that something extraordinary that you probably don't believe happened at school right. or do you not believe them yeah. Um, it's interesting. It's, it, it really, I have to say it really moved me in, in many, many ways that I did not expect working on this and making this, mm -hmm. this series of films. And how'd you become involved with this project? Is this your idea or? I wish it was my idea. No, um, I was approached by, I've done, I, before this, I had done four, uh, films, four films and projects for Netflix. So yeah. I was approached by Netflix. Uh, and then separately, I had known the other companies, Boardwalk, Vice, and Amblin. And mm. uh, I actually, each of them approached me independently and said, hey, we have this project. Uh, I said, oh, great. What is it? And they said, well, it's, it's about aliens. And I said, I am not <laughs> an alien guy. I've never done anything about aliens. I'm not, what is it about me that... And they said, it's because you're not an alien guy that right. we want you. Um, and then I, I actually wasn't, I didn't want to do it at first. And then I came back to them and I said something about, um, you know, if we can tell it in, if we can focus on telling a human story, if mm. we can tell a, a narrative and sort of not make it, you know, if we could tell a cinematic human narrative driven story, I'm interested. And fortunately for everybody, they were a hundred percent behind us. Behind and you yeah, and you mentioned earlier that no one, you're, none of you were interested in debunking, um, and I guess that's that was the case with say, and it's I think was it fortuitous to having Amblin on board because of close encounters and and things like that. I mean, Amblin Television and the connections with with Spielberg and and that sort of thing. I mean, it's it fortuitous is one of the things of having Amblin on board. I mean, of course, Steven Spielberg and his company Amblin have made you know some of the greatest mm. um, and most seminal films of the last 40 or 50, you know, 40 or 50 right. years. Um, and to have sort of their support and their vision. Uh, and, you know, I don't say this lightly, they were incredible. They, they, 
they never said debunk or not. They never sort of told us what to do. Um, right. Because they never told me what to do. I sort of proposed what how I'm how I would go about it, and they fully supported that approach from the beginning. Amblin, Boardwalk, Vice, and Netflix. Everyone was, everyone. You know, we were very having that many people um, in a room or in a virtual room together. Uh, sometimes could be a recipe for right. trouble. Uh, in this case, we were all aligned throughout the whole throughout the whole process. Hmm. And I guess you, know, you just said it took um, a virtual room, and I just put the numbers in my head, and it took two years to make, or at least. Uh, so a lot of this was you were having to do a lot of this during COVID, weren't you? Actually, no. We so we started it in late uh, twenty one. Um, okay. I mean, I guess right. I guess I guess it. I made another series that was entirely during COVID, entirely remotely. Uh, this one, I mean, COVID is, I don't know. It's still around, but yes. It's still, it's still around. So we, we started at <laughs> yeah. end of 21, and then we right. finished it sort of early 23. Okay. Okay. So not as limited as you were, obviously, as you know from your other experience. Uh, no, of- uh, we tra- excuse me, we, we traveled around the world for it. Uh, I went to Zimbabwe twice. We went to Japan, uh, Texas multiple times, Wales, mm-hmm. London. Um I logged a lot of miles in 2022. <laughs> I just, you know, one thing we haven't really talked, we haven't talked too much about the Texas and Japan experiences, but um, did Japan surprise you? That must have been a bit, you know, I don't know. We, I, I know what your conceptions are of Japan, or, but it, that, it seemed, I, I, I was really found that interesting, this sort of, uh, it was very interesting insights in terms of the Japanese culture and how they can how they can square these these seemingly sometimes contradictions and differences. That's exactly why I wanted to do a story in Japan, because we see in that story how, whereas in America, um, oftentimes when somebody says they see lights in the sky or a UFO, mm-hmm. uh, it sort of goes into the realm of military or is it a threat? Mm. Uh, they're here to attack us or take over us or colonize us or whatever. In Japan, it's the complete opposite. Um, they're here to help. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's an incredible story. We, we were interested in that for, one, for a number of reasons. One, doing a story in Japan because we've never seen a story in Japan before. Two, um, because of the different perspective. You know, it was not threatening. It's, it's about healing and balance and maybe they're here to help. We were interested in exploring um, this idea of nuclear power because that story takes place mm. uh, around twenty in twenty eleven um, when that terrible earthquake and tsunami and then the nuclear power plant meltdown yeah. and you know suddenly there's lights in the sky and strange activity going on around that and we were interested in exploring that potential connection which has been documented but you know the perspective of Japan culturally. Um, it's fascinating. You know, they, they don't talk about the sort of natural and supernatural are not two right. separate things as they talk about in the story. They're, you wouldn't even talk about them as two separate things. They're just one. And so this idea of lights in the sky, well, maybe it's extraterrestrials or UFOs. Maybe it's what they call Hidodama, which mm-hmm. is souls of the dead. Um, or maybe it's something else entirely. It could be, you know, ghosts or and I was very fascinated about that intersection of, of the extraterrestrial, supernatural, and spiritual. 
I think I, uh, and also I, I, my children would be happy. I think I finally have an appreciation for anime. Uh, <laughs> and, or kind of an understanding, a better understanding of it. Um, I think, well, and, you know, th- I, I think that's, it's, it's just to say from my own personal standpoint, it's not the, uh, I didn't know what to expect going in. It's not the series I expected, but it's an X, you know, it's, be- and for the very good reasons, it's not this militaristic, scientific debunking or not, or promoting. It is a very real and human, uh, you know, human experience. And at least as I get older in life, I realize more and more how much we all see things and perceive things so differently. And um, even those same people, people who are in the same room. So, uh, so thanks for, for making this. Um, I mean, before we go, just want to ask what's, what's next for you? Um, thank you. So I'm making another feat. I'm making a feature doc for Netflix. Um, and I'm, uh, writing of a new film, scripted film, and I'm trying to drum up something maybe we could do with, you know, the partners and I all had such a good time. So Amblin, we might you know Excellent. do another thing together, both documentary and scripted. So you have a foot both in, in scripted and factual, don't you? I mean, documentary, you know, that's, uh, but you go, I mean, some people start in one, transition to the other, or, you know, but you, you kind of, are you going back and forth between, between the two? Yeah, I, I originally started in scripted. I'm a writer-director. And then at a certain point, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, I got bored and, t- not bored, I got tired of waiting around because scripted mm-hmm. takes a long time to make. Right. <laughs> and so I started making documentaries because I like making things. Yeah. And you could move a little bit quicker. Um, but I'm always interested in, so I go back and forth. So I write movies and I direct. So I do go back and forth. And now I think films and series are at a place where documentaries are, you know, look like scripted films. Yeah. And, and a lot of, and a lot of scripted things sort of have the feel of authenticity. And I think there's a, there's a blending and I'm very interested in the blending of truth and fiction Mm. both in form and in content. And so at the end of the day, if it's a good story, then it's a good story. Well, on that note, I completely agree. And uh, I think maybe we end on, on that note and give you the last word. So, uh, Jan Motzkin, thank you so much for joining us here at Factual America. It's been a, a joy talking with you. And just to remind our uh, listeners, we've been talking about Jan Motzkin, director of Encounters. Uh, if you haven't checked out the four-part docuseries yet, it is on Netflix, certainly as of September 27th. Thanks again for joining us on Factual America. A big shout out to everyone at Intersound Audio in York, England for their great studio and fine editing and production skills. A big thanks to Amy Ord, our podcast manager, who ensures we continue getting great guests onto the show and that everything otherwise runs smoothly. Finally, a big thanks to you, our listeners. Please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas, whether it is on YouTube, social media, or directly by email. And please also remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. 
Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.